What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of Trinity Music, a hip-hop podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christian. For those new to Trinity Music, we are a weekly podcast which discusses the newest in hip-hop and rap music with episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trinity Music Pod. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns you want to air to the podcast, you can email us at trinitymusicpod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. As previously mentioned, we've switched up our format a bit with our new vinyl format. Our episodes are going to start off with a side A discussion, which today will be our review of the new Future and Little Uzi collab album Pluto and Baby Pluto. Then before we flip over to the B side, we'll do a lightning round of a couple new singles that came out this past week. Then we'll have a side B discussion, which today will be our review of the new 2 Chains album, So Help Me God. And then finally, before we wrap up our episode and put this metaphorical vinyl back in the sleeve, we'll do some parting shots. So let's get into this episode. Christian, we wanted to open with the Future and Little Uzi long-awaited collaboration tape, Pluto and Baby Pluto. So like we've been doing the past few weeks now, we start off with our elevator review of the album, which is your review in the album in about 20 to 30 seconds. So what is your elevator review of Pluto and Baby Pluto? Okay, let's get to it. So if you heard the past two singles that were released this summer by Future and Uzi, you'd probably have an idea as to what to expect in terms of sound for the album. But I really didn't think it was the case here. Fact is, Pluto and Baby Pluto is a combination of various producers ranging from DJ Esco, London, Wheezy, and Zaytoven, and the list just goes on. So you can't find really one song that's more unique than another because they all have various tastes in their production quality. But uh, the variation between Uzi and Future in terms of vocal tone combined with the multiple producers creates a different sound just for the album entirely. So you can skim through it and it'll sound different, but there's nothing really that that sticks out as being, oh, this is unique. It's really a good trap album, I would say, but it just fits the part of that, nothing else. That's a fair take on the album. Honestly, I would say my hopes for this album were not really high, which is a little odd considering... I really liked What a Time to Be in Live and Super Slimy, two of Future's you know, other collaboration tapes. But my worry coming in was that these two guys were almost too similar and that their sounds would clash since they would maybe try to ride the same wave. And I think for the most part, that's what happened on this album and that's why I didn't fully enjoy it. But I also think Lil Uzi did not perform to the level that he could have. Yeah, just to uh, reiterate on Uzi, if you remember the single Over Your Head, it had a unique sound to the in terms of the song and as Uzi as a rapper, his vocal tone, the way he raps on it, this felt like a really good Uzi track. I, there was nothing on this album that reflected that single. So just like Patek was more of a future-based song. Unfortunately, the album didn't play out the way I would have expected, like I had mentioned. And I will say that there were a few songs on this album that kind of gave me a vibe in regards to, say, single albums that Future had released. Not Uzi in particular, because he hadn't been active very much between 2018 and 2019. So for Future, I'd say I got this weird monster vibe. Am I crazy to think that? I don't even know about that. Like, I Maybe let's just, um, maybe we just handle Uzi first here. I think he tried to do a little too much rapping on this album, which is weird to say because he's a rapper, but he fits a lot more of the... So, for example, a track like Real Baby Pluto, that's not a song that I think fits Uzi really well. I think he's at his best when he's, you know, stretching his words and leaning on a more uh, more of a less is more type strategy with his bars. I don't want to knock him too hard here because I do appreciate how he wants to go head to head with Future, but the outcome did not provide something more memorable at times or even something that was listenable because when Uzi is trying to just rap on 
maybe not even on beat. He's mostly off beat for this album, and that's at times intentional. But when Uzi is just going back and forth nonstop on these all these bars, it's not something that fit him perfectly well. And then on Future's side of this, I would say my issue with him on this album was he wasn't giving us the personal bars that we normally get from him. It was pretty basic trap stuff. So the fact that Future wasn't giving us it's not that Future is an artist that goes like super in depth all the time, but he does allow us to peek behind the curtain every now and then. And then with Uzi here, just kind of going with this rap heavy approach, I thought the, it was kind of a, some of the parts was less than a whole. I thought individually they may have been okay, but once they started clashing these two sounds together, it didn't work too much. So that's kind of my Uzi take. And then I want you to maybe elaborate a little bit on your monster take in what sense in terms of, cause I don't think in terms of performance, he's anywhere near monster on this project here, but maybe in terms of subject matter, where are you, what are you hinting at there? Definitely not performance, but a good example would be rockstar chains, which was my favorite song on the album. And it was exclusively future on the track. This is a version of future that I don't think we get anymore. The overall sound, the way he raps, it really does feel as if it was a past version of what we were delivered so that's why i guess i would make reference to monster or just the seven rings in general because that sound is something that he never goes back to anymore i didn't i haven't heard that on any of his new stuff okay so i can see that and i, I don't want to sound like i'm being too down on this album i did think there were songs like drinking and smoking and i don't want to break up that worked really well for both guys and again i keep reiterating both guys because it's a collaboration tape both of them have to sound really good on the same song for the song to sound great. Otherwise, it sounds kind of clunky that it'll sound like an Uzi song that Future hopped on. It doesn't quite fit or vice versa. So on those two songs specifically, they're more melodic. And I find that tends to fit Uzi a little better. And it's a gear that we've seen Future downshift too many times in his career. It's nothing new, but both of these songs just they sound smoother once they come on, especially drinking and smoking. It comes after a bit of a rough patch to open the record. So I thought that was a really nice switch up so there are moments on the record here that there are tracks that really do work well but again it comes down to like fitting the pieces into the puzzle properly and sometimes it was kind of a square peg in a round hole situation and it's funny that you mentioned that's it and drinking and smoking because i believe the most popular song will be that's it because it's been teased since july it had a music video released on the same day as the album it's easily going to scale up as the most popular song in my opinion but i did have second thoughts about it because of drinking and smoking like you had mentioned it's kind of like the whole vibe between these two songs it was a these are probably the most popular just because of how they flow together and i do feel though drinking and smoking is more of a future-based track just because uzi doesn't have much to say on it i think three quarters of the bars and even the verses are from future yeah 100 percent. drinking and smoking sounds a lot more like a future song and then with that's it i'm glad you brought up that track this was a bit of an issue i had with the album is i wish there was a little less predictability with it there's so much talent between uzi and future and that's not even considering like you mentioned before the ridiculous lineup of producers you know london on a track zaytoven buddha blessed on and on but every song, when it starts, I more or less know roughly what the song structure and the topic is going to be. And then, so that's it, that song specifically. I felt like they could have done something really cool with that song because it should have honestly been half the length and you just had one long verse and Uzi and Future split it. I felt like there could have been something different there. And it's like a you know a minute 57 track or two minute and 10 second track. So I wish there was moments where those guys pushed themselves creatively a bit more on this record and i really think that's it could have been 
a song that would have had a little something extra to it. So let's get really into this because you're saying this is something that they could have included, that's something that they could have really emphasized on, right? Well, you know what I want to hear a little bit less of because it's starting to get really repetitive and it's it is the epitome of rap fillers and it's songs like off that. You're talking about expensive, luxurious lifestyles, women, cars, selling dope. It is the most overused content you get. And it's like a given in most trap-based albums that you'll get one or two songs fitting this part. At this point, I almost consider these songs to be not necessarily a waste of listening time, but it's as if they are considered like interludes, a place to you know, throw in some extra minutes or just have a long-ass intro or outro. You're adding a couple minutes to the total playtime. It doesn't necessarily make it fit with the album either. Yeah, I agree completely. I wish we could have switched out some of those more generic. It's not even a generic trap song because I don't mind if the beats all sound the same. But in terms of subject matter, yeah, I would have liked a little bit more personal moments on this record, which is stuff as we have gotten from both artists in the past. I get that a maybe a collaboration album is not the perfect place for personal songs, but I think the complete lack of vulnerable moments, especially from Future, like I mentioned before, it was kind of shocking. The subject matter on the album is the stereotypical sad boy trap music. But I wish, again, with these guys, with what they've been able to give us as solo artists in the past, even though maybe Eternal Take wasn't that great and that High Off Life could have been better, though these guys have made albums in the past couple of years that have been quite strong. I really like the Wizard album. So I wish we could have gotten some more of these personal moments that, frankly, we other than like very briefly on the opening track, we don't really get much of that. So like I had mentioned before, something that surprised me was kind of that old sound, something, a future that I hadn't heard in a long time. So when I had heard the song Rockstar Chains, I'm going to go back to this because for some reason, this one really made me miss how he used to sound on the seven albums ranging from Monster all the way to Evil. And I think that evolution of future as a rapper is what really drew me into his sound in particular. He was able to portray something that other people weren't doing at the time. So on every one of his albums, there's always that one song that kind of brings me back. He doesn't do it often enough that it stands out. But on this one, it did because it was supposed to be a collaborative album between Uzi and himself. That single song, the one song that he's by himself on did that trick for me. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's funny how you've now brought up that song twice. And while I do agree, like it, it is a better future performance on that track. I will say if I could remove a song from this album, it would be the two solo tracks. Like I really hate this trend that started with, I guess, What a Time to Be Alive. And now it's been maintained since on albums like Without Warning or Drip Harder, where you have artists that collaborate on an album but then they have solo tracks on it like future had a 21 song solo album earlier this year and uzi dropped 32 songs in march if i wanted to listen to their solo work there's like an ample amount of it i can go listen to all those tracks from april and may and march like again i agree with your analysis on rockstar chain like it's it's one of the better tracks on the album but again like we came here for future and uzi and the fact that there's only a few tracks on the album where they the synergy between them is really strong and they really do create something special. Like they, 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 they ram into each other and it makes something really nice to listen to. It only happens a couple times on this album. And the fact that we have to spend some time on our review here talking about a solar future track on the album, I just, it, it's something that just, it's more, maybe more of a pet peeve and maybe not perfectly suited for this type of review, but that's something I wish 
we wouldn't get start getting away from on all these collaboration tapes. It is pretty wild though, because like I had mentioned, it ha- has happened before. If you were to go back to Super Slimy, the best song on that album, in my opinion, again, is a solo track, Feed Me Dope. It's a repetitive trend that's happening on these albums. Like you had mentioned, we could easily go back to one, one of their single albums where they're just doing everything themselves and not collaborating with another artist to create a different kind of sound. I don't know. I just, you, you've got a really good point and it is kind of frustrating in a sense where I'm getting music that I enjoy from a single artist and not both of them at the same time. I really wish that wasn't the case. It doesn't make me want to necessarily listen to it again. That's the thing. It makes me want to go and listen to them individually. And then I think a little bit more generally, I think this album will likely be forgotten by both fan bases, which is too bad because it honestly could have been something really special. The album was a bit of a, a low risk, high reward type of project, you know, like, Future and Uzi weren't risking anything making this tape together. At the high end, they would have created two or three really catchy songs, like maybe with, I guess a good example of this would be Fine China when Future and Juice World puts them together. Like, you know, the album's fine, but Fine China kind of popped out. And then on the, you know, if the album was actually really good, maybe it was a more of a what a time type of feeling. So it's really, it's kind of just sad. It's a bit of a missed opportunity for both of them. I just want to maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do this quickly. I don't know. In like 30 seconds or less, because we were having this discussion right before we got on, what is Future's best collaboration tape? So we have four of them, at least the four we're going to consider here. So that's What a Time to Be Alive with Drake, Super Slimy with Young Thug, World on Drugs with Juice World, and now Pluto and Baby Pluto with Lil Uzi Vert. I'm maybe going to simplify our discussion here. Am I correct in saying we can drop World on Drugs and Pluto and Baby Pluto from this discussion and really it's just between What a Time and Super Slimy? I believe so, since those were basically the beginning of the trend. Okay, so you tell me, what which one do you think is better? Okay, so this might be a biased opinion, but when What a Time to Be Alive came out, it was phenomenal. The sound, just the first song in, blew my mind. I could never forget that day. It's kind of embedded into my memory. This is going to remain the album for me when it comes to collabs. So out of the two... I got I got love for Young Thug. I got love for Super Slimy, but it's always going to be what a time to be alive. It's interesting you bring up how the first song on the album kind of grabbed your attention. That's how I felt about No Cap off Super Slimy. Like right away, it hits me right in the face and punches me. So I guess I'm going to lean slightly towards Super Slimy. I don't think there's a wrong pick between those two. But in general, I do think Future has made, has shown us actually that there is a possibility for him to make really strong collaboration tapes. And again, and just in contrast... I don't think either of us think this Pluto and Baby Pluto album is is terrible or anything. But if anything, the way to explain it is it's kind of just musical wallpaper. It's just kind of there in the background and it'll, it's going to come and go without much of a fuss. Like you mentioned, maybe that's it. Maybe drinking and smoking. Those ones, maybe they, they hang on for a bit and they get kind of popular, but I don't see much lasting power in general here. Okay, so now before we flip over to the B-side of our vinyl here, we were going to do our quick lightning round of three new songs that came out this week. And Christian was really excited here to talk about the Lil Nas X holiday track. So I'm just going to clear out of the way. And I'm I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) I'm just going to clear out here and uh, let him handle it. So Christian. Way to put me on the spot. Yeah, don't hold back here. What do you you think of holiday? I am not a Lil Nas fan. Straight to the point. He's got some catchy songs that people remember, like Old Town Road and Panini. Got to give him that. But Holiday, unfortunately, was not the song for me. He makes a lot of references to his past and things that have occurred up to this point. 
and just like many other rappers kind of getting into stardom it's a typical rap single for the upcoming album there's nothing too special about it the sound it seems kind of basic it's a holiday song in a sense he makes references to santa claus as saying i got hose on hose on hose <laughs> it's not interesting enough for me so let's not talk about this ever again Oh, wow. Okay, so I am actually going to maybe surprise you. I'm coming in from the complete other side. I say, and I guess I didn't show this in the beginning, for these lightning rounds, we're going to classify our songs in three different categories. The best ones are saved to the playlist. The middling ones are relegated to car music. And like Christian just mentioned, the lowest of the low are ones we're just not going to want to ever talk about again. So I'm going to come in here and actually say, I'm going to save this to the playlist. This song, to say that this song is dripping in swag, confidence, and luxury is the understatement of the year. Like, holy crap, I think this guy actually pulled off a moderately to decent follow-up to Old Town Road. There's no way it gets as popular as that track because, like, nothing will. Be there's The success at Old Town Road is incredible, and I don't know if any song will ever do that considering the amount of insane remixes that came across the board. But I do think, in terms of Holiday, the hook is catchy enough, and the video looks expensive as hell. And then, of course, you know, there's a, it's a Take Keith beat. I like the dun-dun-dun line from Lil Nas X coming okay, in. Okay, I will give you like, it's, that. It's, it's, just, it's really catchy. It's, it's a trap beat for a guy who claims he's a pop star. And, you know, the song actually kind of reminds me of when a pop artist who maybe came up on, like, the Disney Channel or whatever, and they want to show that they're all growing up and not just a kid anymore, and they make a song that's a little bit more expressive. This is kind of what it reminds me of in a way, because I don't remember getting this type of, Lil Nas X on his previous work from last year so and I think it goes especially for like he has a really cold second verse where he admits that Old Town Road was definitely a gimmicky track and that while he's a pop star rappers do respect him so in general I did find like the catchiness of the song along with just like all his all his confidence that comes out in this track here it's just it's something that I think is gonna stay popular for a while and again I do think that the fact that the video is really cool and exciting. And I think so far it has, I don't know, 10, 15 million views on YouTube. So there's definitely something here. So you brought up the Ty Keith beat. And that's definitely something that caught me by surprise. I will say that I was not expecting to hear it from anything produced by him because I honestly thought he fell off the face of the earth. I believe he's really had a quiet 2020. I really have. I really couldn't pinpoint a song that sticks out to me right now. But I guess it's a good thing that he's coming back up and especially, you know, doing it with Lil Nas. It's different, and I will give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so agree to disagree on that one. That's totally fine. Now, the next two songs we're going to get into are kind of, well, they're definitely linked because they're the same artist. Goody Mob this weekend came out with their brand new album, and on this album, there are two tracks featuring the two MCs from Outkast, Andre 3000 and Big Boy. So, so we figured out we might as well get into both of these tracks here. So let's start first, Christian, with No Cigar which is one that features Andre 3000. I'll start us off here and say, I'm going to relegate this one to car music, even though I do find that, you know, there's a bit of a cypher vibe to this track. And I thought that Cujo, Big Gip, and Timo all had solid verses here. There's something really repetitive and kind of annoying about getting the hook over and over again. And it's it borders on being obnoxious at times, despite the solid verses and the cool production. And we can get into Andre in a second. So in general, I would say I'm going to relegate No Cigar to car music. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Other than the noticeable vocal tone from Andre and the beat switch up, I guess you could say there's nothing too special about the song. It's got a unique sound, actually, because of that funky rhythm mixed in with some of that those digital keys that you get a little bit later on. 
So that being said, I don't think it necessarily stands out as the most unique song off of the album. I mean, I guess we could say it was just kind of the relationship that he has with Outkast since they're closely associated in a sense being one of the first Southern rap acts, I think, to attain popularity along with Outkast. So there is a cool correlation between the two. Yeah, Goody Mob and Outkast, along with Organized Noise, who produced this track here, and I think I believe they produced the entire album. They've been connected together for 25 plus years now at this point. There's the whole Dungeon Family vibe. And then maybe just getting into Andre's verse here. It's amazing how effortless this verse sounds from him. Like his storytelling is as clear as ever. And before you know it, his verse just kind of ends. And you're like, the first time I heard it, I really genuinely thought like, why did he only do eight bars? That was really weird. And then obviously I listened to it again and it's just, no, he did a full verse. It just, it flies by so quickly. And the way he dictates his lyrics, it's his words, I should say, they're so clear. And his storytelling, it's just, it's very, it's vibrant and you know exactly what's going on. Again, I wish he would have had a better verse. Like, I can't say I cared much for the material there, but it was just really cool to hear him rapping on a track. Let's move on to Pray for the Sheep. Now, this song, the only difference that I could say is because we're getting another Outcast member, you're expecting maybe a similar sound, but the fact of the matter is the song itself kind of fits into that vibe, right? It gives you that old school, that that hip-hop sound that we're not getting very often anymore because it's not as popularized. These guys kind of stick into their way. In a sense, you're getting people like Big Boy and Andre and even Chuck D off the album. So I'm going to say it's relegated to car music just because it's got a fun beat that you can listen to. It's something that you're going to get off, say, I love my 90s hip hop playlist off Spotify, something that just kind of flows in the background. But I don't think it's nothing very intriguing in terms of standing out in terms of the music itself. Okay, so maybe I was just in a really good mood this weekend because I'm also going to save this one to my playlist here. So that's two for me this week and none for you. Yeah, I don't think it's a week for me. Yeah, it's it's all right. I'll, I'll say I think it's really because like I'm a really big fan of Big Boy and side point, I am extremely ready for his next album whenever that happens. I thought he had one of the better verses I heard all weekend. Now it's not much comparing it to Pluto and Baby Pluto, but still his bridge before the first hook and his verse were both like super crisp and on point and he wasted no words so i will say i really liked the way he delivered i do find the beat the beats less uh, eclectic than i would say the no cigar but i did find it just it fit a little bit better for the goody mob crew and for big boy and then one final point here is it possible that big boy has been listening to his buddy killer mike all year because the end of the world vibes that big boy was rapping on i think would have would have fit nicely on rtj4 so these guys have obviously collaborated for a ton of time here. Big Boy appeared on RTJ1. And of course, Killer Mike has been kicking it with Outcast since way, way back on the whole world back in 2000 or 2001. So I'm just, it's interesting there to hear Big Boy talk about stuff like this. And I'm like, huh, you know, you sound a little bit like Killer Mike there. I have to agree with you because if you think about it, even on um, Boomiverse, which was what, in 2017, he has three features with Killer Mike. And it's just... In terms of how they kind of direct their rap, I feel like these two create this like personification in terms of the music itself where it, they fit the same description, but they're both on separate paths. Because uh, I don't see Killer Mike doing, for example, a feature with, uh, I guess, uh, Gucci Mane as an example or, or Jeezy or just those general trap kind of artists. But Big Boy will. Yeah. But for him to associate also with guys like killer mike it's a it's a weird 
scenario, right? He's like, he he is the big boy of the trap world in a sense. Uh, sorry, he is the Killer Mike of the trap world, whereas Killer Mike is just the RTJ world. That's who he is. Yeah, so in general, I really like this track. Again, mostly for big boy. I just, I really want another album from him. It's been three plus years since Boomiverse, and I love that album. So fingers crossed, this is a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now let's flip over to the B-side where we're going to review the new 2 Chains album, So Help Me God. Once again, we're going to start off with our elevator review here. I'm going to start it off this time, if you don't mind, Christian. Yeah, go for it. I will say this was a solid bounce back from Rapper Go to the League, which was his previous album from 2019. And you can probably talk me into this being his third best project, but I definitely think it's closer to being number four than it is being number two. There's some old school 2 Chains vibes on this album, and there's also some modern day trap bangers and also some introspective tracks towards the back of the album. So in general, decent album. You can talk me into it being his third best record, but I'm not going to go as far as saying it's anywhere near based on a true story or pretty girls like trap music. What about you? This album was exciting to me. It had a strong start and then it just flips and goes into this smooth transition of sound. I like how 2 Chains is always trying to rem- make you remember things like for example hey remember trapavelli then two songs later it's like let's cue this r&b and feel jazzy and put in the soul sample it's fitting for him because he portrays himself as this badass trapper but he's a super nice dude who would stop a mosh pit just to pick the guy up off the ground so i don't think the album gets boring because he does a great job at jumping back and forth between the different kinds of beats and the flow itself so the album features are also pretty spot on Overall, I will agree with you. This is probably in his top four. Yeah, and so onto your point there about all these different sounds. And for some reason, this is something I always go through. It's an experience, I guess, I get with 2 Chains albums where the sound of the album from beginning to end, they sound completely different than each other. So Rapper Go to the League, I found it started off very soulful and laid back and then morphed into a modern day trap album. Whereas this album here, I find it starts off really trap heavy. And then as we progress through the album, like you mentioned that, more laid down R&B stuff. I'm pretty sure you're referencing the Hall & Oates track. That's one that definitely switches it up a bit. And then by the time you get to the end of the album, it's kind of dark and somber. So it's amazing for something that was only 48, 49 minutes that 2 Chains is able to just paint all these different parts of the spectrum here. I'm not sure if that's a proper f- turn of phrase, but whatever. He's just able to give us different types of sounds and it always sounds genuine coming from him. So in that way, it always works. Now, I will say I did think the weaker part of the album were the first few tracks, mostly because I, I feel like I've heard these songs before from 2 Chains, but better. So like Lambo Wrist, the opening track, it's a decent opening track, but it's nothing compared to Saturday Night, which opened Pretty Girls Like Trap Music, or Yuck, which opened Based on a True Story. So in that way, when I'm comparing it to his past work, it hurts him, right? That fact that I'm going to compare it to like Lambo Wrist, it's a fine track, but when I'm comparing it... And I've, I found this happen a lot on the album with like the really trap heavy songs. It felt like he just didn't have that extra kick he used to have. I will say you do have a good point, though. When it comes down to the trap style of the music, 2 Chains is one of the best artists when it comes to that. I love so many of his albums, just the way that he sounds, the way he flows, the way he changes things up. Even even the smaller albums like Free Bass, I absolutely adored so many of the songs on that just because it sounded wicked. It was crazy trap and it just it it's so underrated and then trap of Valley trey which is another underrated album i find it's 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 this sound that he's able to portray that you don't get very often he he, he likes to switch it up like you mentioned he, he got he has that jazzy smooth soul r&b feel 
But when he wants to be a trapper, he does it and he does it well. So I think that's the one underrated section of his music that people kind of just, I guess you could say newer 2 Chains fans don't necessarily notice. But somebody who's been around since the beginning of Titty Boy will be able to tell you he's got some heavy duty tracks that just will remain bangers forever and ever and ever. So do you think that's a bit of a problem, though, because people like you and I are going to compare him to his earlier stuff, like a, a song like Free Lighter, for instance. That's definitely something that I could have heard on Based on a True Story, right? It has that exact sound. But I would have liked the energy of all artists on that song there to be turned up to like a nine, not even a 10. I find 2 Chains, Chief Keef, and Lil Uzi here. They all come in at like a six or a seven on the energy scale, but the beat is worthy of like more kick. And I feel like we don't get that super high tempo, maybe not tempo, but high energy 2 Chains that we've gotten on Trap of Ellie Train. We've gotten on Based on a True Story. So I just... Do you think that it's almost it almost works against him the fact that we're going to compare him to these great things like he still makes good trap songs like the real bangers but does it hurt him to constantly be compared to those types of songs I don't think so because when you're comparing him you're kind of just seeing where he's gone with the music and at the same time the rap game is not the same anymore so I guess you could say he's come a long way but in my eyes 2 Chains will always be able to perform maybe not necessarily identical to what he used to do because he's evolving with the times, but you can still have appreciation for his music. There is replay value and there will always be something that you could take away from one of the albums. So given that, I think that uh, comparing him to what he used to do is not necessarily a bad thing. All right. So let's get into what I thought was the most surprising part of the album. And I've hinted at it just a little bit earlier. It was the dramatic shift in tone in the final third of the album. It kind of reminded me of Big Crit's Forever is a Mighty Long Time and how there's almost a clear divide between the easygoing two chains we get at the beginning and then the more personal two chain songs we get towards the end. And then you can even feel the moment, right? It's it's at Southside Hove. When that song starts, you immediately notice a change in tone. Now, not all the songs that follow it are super introspective, but there's definitely something darker and more somber in terms of tone that is 100% noticeable in those final five or six tracks there. What did you think about, just in general, the how he went from, like, you know, a pretty typical 2 chains. Like, if you would assume what a 2022 Chains album would sound like, I would have said it's songs like, you know, Free Lighter and Gray Area and Feel Away. Like, those kind of fit. But then once we get the South Side Hove and beyond, it kind of, something different happens, right? Like, he downshifts into a, a, a different gear, right? Mm-hmm. I agree with you because... Southside Hove kind of delivers this message where it sums up 2 Chains as the person himself. The chorus, for example, is taken from an old Hove song. He's paying homage to one of the greats. So the fact is, I feel like this song is a message of 2 Chains just being grateful. And that's where the change of tone comes in, right? Somebody who's just you know, seeing past the surface of the things revolving around him. It, it's a song of growth. His bars, for example, name another rapper that's got a Versace, a Versace shoe deal. They think I'm going soft ever since I've had kids. This guy has become a family man. He's become an entrepreneur. He set himself up for life. He is the South Side Hove. So in a sense, it's, I guess, evolution. Like I had mentioned before, he's ch- evolving with the times. The music is changing. Yeah, This is the message I'm seeing from this point on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's those songs there towards the end. And one I wanted to dive into is Wait For You To Die, where he gives kind of a a sobering view on death and darkness with lines like, 
talking to my demons and they told me that they were proud of me. And then the entire outro on that song is probably the most bleak I've ever heard him talk before. And I can't say I disagree with most of his points, but again, it just kind of hit me like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know 2 Chains could do a song like that. Like, it, it moves you in a way that you weren't expecting to, right? It's not necessarily a motivational song or a song about defeating the odds, but it's a song more about real life stuff and how sometimes it's a record company, sometimes it's maybe family members or people you think were your friends are just kind of waiting around to profit, whether from a monetary standpoint or not, on someone who's ill or on someone's demise. So again, it's, it's, this is not a discussion I thought we were going to have on a 2 Chains album. I thought we were going to be looking for what's the next like club banger that we can, we were going to see Travis Scott partying into. But again, this is the part of the album that I thought was really good. I thought the front part of the album, it was a bit of a mixed bag. But this once you got to that final four or five tracks, I was like, wow, didn't know he could go this way. Now that we've touched base on a couple songs, let's go into something here. What do you think will be the most popular song on the album? And now I'm... Again, I'm going to jump straight into it and say either Moneymaker or Quarantine Thick just because of them being exclusive singles. And you have that Wheezy feature too off Moneymaker, which kind of helps, right? It's popularity. It's a common name. Yes, we got a couple of other uh, common names on the album in terms of features, but the unique sound, especially coming from Moneymaker, and we've discussed this in the past, I think it's going to bring it to the top. That's interesting. You know, it's... I thought when we were going to get a 2 chains album, like this is definitely a guy that could have just called up Young Thug and called up Travis Scott and asked for a feature. So it's interesting that there's not that many like really high profile features on this album. Like, of course, there's Rick Ross, there's Kanye West, and then there's Lil Wayne, of course. It really seemed like he wasn't chasing a hit on this album, which is something I can really respect and appreciate here. So in terms of what's the most popular or what will be the most popular track on the album, to answer your question there, Moneymaker is definitely a good pick. I do think, though, it's had its run already. So if it was going to be the most popular track, I think it would have popped out a little bit more by now. Quarantine Thick, that's one that we've talked about before on the podcast. And I like the song. I think it's decent. I don't think it has. And again, I don't think there's any song here that's going to explode. If I have a sentimental pick, I'm going to pick Feel Away. Like I just I hope that's the most popular song on the album because it's one of the better ones mostly because I really love the energy on the second verse between 2 Chains and Kanye, when they're just kind of going back and forth and back and forth, trading bars. There was something a little old school about it. Not like old school, like 90s, but old school, like early to mid 2010s about Kanye and 2 Chains being on a song together. So that's what I hope Feel Away is the most popular one. But if not, you know, I could see Quarantine Thick, you know, kind of boosting up there. And just for the record, I wasn't choosing Moneymaker as my own personal song. I was just going with the like mm-hmm. the basic statistics of what I yeah. believe would have brought it up to the top because of you know common popularity and such. But I agree with you 100% on Feel Away, kind of giving you that like you mentioned 2010 vibe of him and Kanye West. It's your birthday, you know, just going back in time and enjoying it. Yep, absolutely. All right, now since we were talking about Kanye and basically the features portion of the album, I want to mention that. I honestly thought the best feature and hear me out was Kevin Gates. I really do like Kevin Gates. And I think his uh, few features that he's had with two chains in the past has created this great charisma between both of them and a fantastic vocal tone that just stands out like no other. They complement each other super well. And on every song that I've heard from them, it pulls me in. I want to go back and, 
listen to the track. And a perfect example would be I Feel Like off Trapavelli Trey. That is a fantastic song. Kevin Gates kills it. And I think he did a really, really good job on this track as well. I think that comes down to if you're a fan of Kevin Gates, because I can see this song getting really repetitive and kind of annoying to people who might not know Kevin Gates or maybe aren't just that big of fans. I'm like, I enjoyed Ziploc. It was a good track. I didn't think in general there was a standout feature on this album. Like you could maybe talk me into, and I might butcher his name here, but Brent Fayez having a really nice hook on Feel Away. But I'm okay with, I, I would have wished that Chief Keef would, again, I mentioned it earlier on Freelighter, but Chief Keef and Lil Uzi, if they would have come with a little bit more energy, I thought that could have been very special and those features could have been really nice. But I like the Kevin Gates track. It was really good. So I think one more final point that we can touch on right here is what do we really think this album will do for Two Chains' legacy? I mean, in my personal opinion, it shows the evolution in his music. And if we backtrack and listen to Rapper Go to the League, Pretty Girls Like Trap Music, and just go all the way back to based on a true story, you won't have the same Two Chains necessarily from one album to another. But you will be able to reference, like we said, like a comparison of what he used to do to where he's at now is it, like you had mentioned is it fair for us being two two chains fans from back in the day to say oh he doesn't sound like he does back then but i believe this evolution is exactly what we had mentioned before with Southside hove and kind of the end of the album it is the man who's moving forward in his life and turning into something that's more than just a rap artist He's like I had mentioned, the family man, the entrepreneur, etc. There is an evolution in his music. And I think that albums like this will go down in time as something that proves that you don't need to stick necessarily to one sound to evolve into something that's greater. I think to build on to that, I think we are slowly maybe getting to a point where we get a really dramatic shift in two changes sound. In general, I don't think this album's gonna do that much for his legacy, but his last two projects here, Rapper Go to the Lee and Now So Help Me God, there have been elements on these last two projects where he's hinted at a potential evolution where you know the sounds maybe a little bit more laid back or he's getting a little bit more personal. So there's definitely something interesting going on and it hasn't been followed through for an entire album yet. So maybe he's in a bit of a transition period sonically there. But in general, it's it's another good album to have on his belt. Again, I think you can we can have a long conversation one day about where it would rank on his all-time projects and mixtapes and albums and all that, probably third or fourth, somewhere in that range. We'd have to think about it harder. I think Trap of Trey has a good argument for third right now, but so help me God, I think it's right up there in terms of being in that second tier of 2 Chains albums. All right, so that'll do it for Side B. So now before we put our vinyl back in its sleeve, we're going to do our parting shots, and we have Christian's inaugural parting shot after being silent on the first two weeks here. So Christian, what do you got? I don't want to say it's unfortunate, in the, in the direction that rap music is headed, but I feel as if I'm kind of lacking the taste that I used to get out of the excitement of a new album. Kind of going back in time and thinking to myself, I was more than excited to hear a drop from a particular artist, more than excited to listen to the album over and over and over again. A lot of times when that happens now, I kind of feel like I'm not expecting to get something that I used to listen to and that bothers me. And I understand that it's the change in music and the change in the artists themselves. But does that necessarily mean that I have to go out and discover somebody who's brand new to get that feeling all over again? Does it not mean I can go back and listen to a legendary artist uh, and just be able to appreciate a brand new album in a new flavor and just 
move on from that point. I think it's a kind of a self-evolving thing that I need to do myself to appreciate the music more in depth than what it is, but it's bothersome. I feel like I'm living in the past with some music and it's hard to move on. And even if these artists are trying to do it themselves, can all their listeners do it? Can, can we do it as, as like just the people who are digesting it? It's deep, it's hard, but I, that's the thing that's been bothering me quite recently. And I really do hope that the music itself kind of transcends into something deeper than just saying, oh, this album was good, but the older one was better. Oh boy, oh, that was dark. Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I think you know. I think there are elements of truth in what you just said, especially for people like us that have been listening to rap music now for you know well over a decade. I think maybe we'll put a pin in that topic for later. Maybe on a lighter week, we'll revisit that and have a nice full conversation on that. I'm gonna have a little bit more of an upbeat parting shot here, and I just want to say thank you to the Alchemist for doing a presale for the Lulu vinyl, and I guess also for Benny the Butcher on Burn of the Proof for doing something similar. It's a massive win-win here, you know. They get to sell more vinyls and make more money. And us fans get an actual chance at buying some of these incredible albums on vinyl rather than endlessly staring at eBay or Discogs where they are up for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So, and then about that price of tea in China Deluxe Alchemist, I would enjoy the same rollout, please. Let us do pre-orders. That'll about do it for today. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Last week, we did a short review of the new Run the Jewels track, No Safe Point, on our YouTube channel. So go on and check that out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We potentially have something exciting coming this week. If not, maybe next week. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Trinity Music Pod. Also, please continue spreading the word of the podcast and the YouTube channel during the week or on the weekend, literally whenever. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>